Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguru Ji Ki Fateh and welcome to the second podcast of discussing football and what a week it has been both on and off the football pitch in the footballing world. We have so much to cover from Premier League results over the weekend, a look ahead to the week, upcoming Premier League matches, review of the first leg, both Champions League and Europa League games, a look ahead to the second legs and also the big one. It was supposed to be the English classic, the biggest rivalry in English football. Two of the most successful teams in English football history, Manchester United versus Liverpool, where millions and millions around the world were ready to witness some action on the pitch. They definitely got action, but none of, but none of it was from the players. The major talking point of this weekend, the fans protest outside Old Trafford and the action that took place on the pitch. Fans protest, is it good or bad? Or is it a bit of both? What is ownership? Man United fans and fans of other clubs, have you had enough? Is change coming? And what's next? And what will, will this take place every single week outside football grounds? I'm your host, Jigmoon Singh. Let's get the panel on and begin. I'm Navraj, I'm a hard, you could say, a Manchester United fan. Uh, so, obviously love all things red, white and black. So, I'm here to share my views as well. So, that's myself. Cool, cool. Singh. Um, from God's own country up here in Leeds. Um, the north of England, um, massive Liverpool fan. Those of you that know me, um, so yeah, I've got in-depth knowledge of uh, supporting a legendary team, unlike some of the other people on this podcast. Good stuff. Who's next? This is Gurvinder Singh, and I'm a Chelsea supporter. The 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 club that won the only Champions League uh, medal mm. in London. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> I'll share my whatever I know uh, with this uh, podcast and then, uh, yeah, we'll discuss with everyone. Vaheguruji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguruji Ki Fateh, Karmjit Singh from Southall, allegedly the only Singh that supports Everton. Thank so. <laughs> <laughs> you to the blue. There's always one. There's always one, and we found him. <laughs> and last but not least, I'm Melinda Singh. I support the mighty Arsenal, and uh, my statement is: uh, Have you won it, Gold? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you for introducing yourself. And if we can just start off with the first point on the agenda, which is the Premier League weekend results. As we know that on Friday, it was the one-all draw between South, uh, Southampton and Leicester. I was about to say Southall there. Um, <laughs> but um, Southampton, <laughs> definitely. Um, Leicester, obviously, fighting for that all-important um, top four finish for Champions League football. They missed out. Uh, on winning that game, despite even Southampton going down to 10 men. However, one point is better than no points. Um, and if we move on to the next game, 
Crystal Palace losing at home to Man City, which means that if Man United lose their next game or if City win their next game, and that's another title going to the blue half of Manchester. Sergio Aguero obviously coming to the end of his career at Manchester City at the end of this season, grabbing another goal. Um, Brighton, two, leads nil. Did anyone see Danny Welbeck's goal? Brilliant. What Sorry. a goal. Yeah, what a goal. back the old days. Yeah. Worthy of it, worthy of an England call up, eh? <laughs> back, 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 oh, like the Arsenal days. Yeah, if you just say fit, yeah. 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 And then He's got a bright had... future, that young lad. <laughs> <laughs> would have done. If he wasn't for injuries, he would have done. <laughs> and then, um, obviously, Gurbarinder is smiling there with uh, Chelsea uh, beating Fulham 2 0 at home. Um, yes. Karamjit Singh, is it over for Everton? Uh, for that late surge into the top four, losing at home 2-1 to Aston Villa. Arsenal, we know that the Premier League is not your priority at the moment, but always good to get a win and uh, take some confidence into that all-important second league, Europa League clash. Um, Spurs, is it a late surge for them? 4-0, what a performance. Gareth Bale on fire. Thought he was playing for for Real Madrid there. Um, but um, Sheffield United down and out. Um, and did did the West Brom Wolves game? What did that finish? One one. One one. One all. Yeah. The I think the weather was the main talking point of that that game, wasn't yeah. it? Um, do we want to touch upon anything um, just from the weekend results? Um, right. Top four. Anything? Garam um, Di, you can have your say about Everton uh, European positions. If we go with Barad Singh first. Yeah, I just wanted to say it was a funny. Weekend for results. Obviously, the big match this weekend was going to be Liverpool United. And I think everyone was geared up for that match. Um, Villa, Villa Everton, that was a, a big game as well. Villa sneaking it there right at the end, I believe. Tottenham, yeah, looking good. Um, the shock for me, though, of the weekend was Leeds actually losing to Brighton. Um, Leeds have been on form. Recently, pretty decent side. Brighton looking good. Um, but yeah, Newcastle, did it, I think they're going to stay up anyway. But Fulham are now with West Brom drawing today. Um, I think those two are definitely going down alongside Sheffield United. Both of those two needed wins. Um, Fulham, definitely. West Brom, I just had a look at the table and... Uh, there's four games left. With four games left, um, Newcastle are 10 points ahead of West Brom and nine points ahead of uh, Fulham. So all they need is basically a point, yeah. um, I think, and New- Newcastle. And they're safe and the other two are going down. Definitely. I expected a lot better yeah. from Newcastle, to be honest, yesterday against Arsenal. Um, you know, yeah. Arsenal, not, not really in, like... The greatest shape that they've been. Um, I expected more from them, but um, then again, you know, Arsenal they, played well. Newcastle's best player has been uh, Joe Willock. That's testament to to him not being on the pitch yesterday to kind mm-hmm. of uh, be that driving force going forward. Obviously, because he was cut tied against his parent club. Yeah, I think with Newcastle, it's quite difficult because they have a lot of passionate fans. Big club. I think the third or fourth, fourth or well, top five. In uh, stadium for 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 um capacity, how many capacity. capacity? 
and yeah. so forth. And they've got passionate fans. And I'm really surprised that they've not even come close to winning anything since they've been in the Premier League. And, and every, season, every season is like Groundhog Day with them. You know what you're going to get. Inconsistency. Yeah. Spurts, of great, spurts of good football, then back fighting relegation. You know, I feel sorry for a lot of the Geordie fans. You know, and, and it doesn't matter what manager they have, whether it's Steve Bruce or, or they need a change of ownership. You know, but maybe, you know, yeah. but I, that's a, that's maybe we can talk about that a bit later on as well. But, uh, Definitely. Um, Gurvrinder, a 2 0 win. Kai Havartz, two goals. Uh, talk to us. Is top four nearly there? Three more wins? Yeah, that's it. We, we're closing the gap with Leicester now. We only need two points behind. Um, Kai Havertz, I think he's, he's definitely a good player. Um, just needs time to settle in. Um, yeah, that's it. But the fourth, sp- uh, fourth spot battle is on now because Tottenham coming up now, West Ham, and obviously you've got Liverpool. Um, uh, they got game in hand now as well. Um, so it'd be interesting. I'm pretty confident that we will finish top four uh, this season uh, with how we're playing and the Champions League um, uh, qualification in, in sight for next interesting. season. Interesting. Who knows? Maybe you might not even need that top four spot. You exactly, might win the Champions exactly. League. That could happen That's as it. well. Uh, moving, moving just a little bit forward, uh, Karamjeet Singh, disappointing defeat uh, for yeah. Everton. Does that ruin all the hopes for achieving top four qualification? You still have a game in hand. Of course, it's a must win. I know it's not mathematically possible, but with games running out, what are you feeling? I think we've blown it. And uh, I'll probably put it down to mostly injuries. We've lost Rodriguez at the wrong time. Calvert-Lewin, he was out for a while. At the start of the season, we were blazing hot when we had everyone fit. But then that's a squad depth. We haven't really got anyone... You know, um, a bench is okay, mediocre. But on a week, on that game against Villa, that was a must-win. They're a team that I'd say a decent on their day. But you know, if you can't beat Villa at the home, then you got no business being in any Champions League. Ne- never mind anything else. Cool, cool. Interesting, interesting. Obviously, we know it's not mathematically over, but there's still plenty to play for and. A lot of points to be won and lost. Still plenty of twists and turns left uh, with this battle for top four and even Europa League positions as well. One thing I didn't realise in regards to this and um, maybe because I wasn't really paying attention to it, Mm. there's a Europa Conference League next year, isn't there? And with um, Man City winning the League Cup, normally what would have happened is the League Cup winners would have gone into that Europa Conference League, which is a third European competition. Um, uh-huh. So it looks like seventh will get into that this year. So European spots all the way down to seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, I know currently Liverpool are in there, and I don't want to be in the Euro- Europa Conference League, whatever it's called. But you know, like I say, so you're at, uh, Everton at eighth, Arsenal ninth, Villa tenth, um, even Leeds in eleventh could still get into Europe um, at the end of this season if they. Go on a bit of a run. No, I totally agree. And I hear what you're trying to say there. Um, it has, it's been a weird old season. Um, like I know last week we, we did mention that everyone sort of had their go at the top. But if you do look, um, you know, from Tottenham, who like Tottenham are in fifth, right, with 56 points. And then 
you've got what a nine point gap to like Leeds who are in 11th. That's three games, right? Mm. And that's what I'm saying. It, just in these last couple of games, there can be a lot of twists, you know. Um, you just don't know who's going to end up where. Yeah. And um, it is entertaining on that front of things. If we just uh, move on to next weekend's Premier League game. So on Friday night, we have Leicester versus Newcastle. Um, in the form that Newcastle are in, well, especially after that last game, I think Leicester want to seal the job as quick as possible because I think after that, they have some tough fixtures and uh, it'll be important for them to get the three points there. Saturday, Leeds versus Spurs. What an interesting game that'll be. Will Spurs march on to, to win or will, will, will Leeds and Bielsa do something special that day? Obviously, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Man City versus Chelsea. Now, this yeah. could even be the Champions League final, but this is a Premier League game. Um, that, that, that's an interesting game, that one. Liverpool versus Southampton. Liverpool is a must-win for, for Liverpool. Um, Sunday, Wolves versus Brighton. Aston Villa at home to Manchester United. West Ham versus Everton. Arsenal versus West Brom. And then Monday's game will be Fulham versus Burnley. Any standout games there? Obviously, Manchester City versus Chelsea obviously sticks out. But anything else? Or does anyone want to mention anything on these fixtures? The Everton game. That's a big one for us. And West Ham. Mm. Yeah, and Leicester. Could be a good yeah. match as well. Yeah, West Ham, Everton. Big game there. Yeah. Um, Villa United as well. Mm. Um, Villa could surprise United. They've, they've done over some big teams this yeah. season at home. Um, yeah. but you know, but you know what? I, the reason why that doesn't stick out so much because I think United are in the top four, it's a game for going through the motions for United, I think, till the end of the season, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I think, I think, um, in terms of importance, league status-wise, I, th- I think, you know, like you guys have already touched on, West Ham, Leicester, you know, Chelsea, those are the pivotal kind of kind of games, you know, so... Um, and I think Leicester, you're allowed to agree more, it's, it's important that he start picking up results, you know. Um, otherwise, I still think they make top four, right? But it's just a question of whether they finish third or fourth, you know, Yeah. so... See, Fulham Burnley, um, bottom of the table clash there. Burnley, Burnley could technically still be caught mathematically. So Burnley need that win. If they win, Fulham are down. Um, and who's um, Newcastle got, did we say? Uh, Newcastle got Leicester. Leicester, yeah, that's sorry. That's Friday night. And that's yeah. it. Newcastle could go. Newcastle you know, safe. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know. It depends. It depends. At the moment, I'd say they're safe, but they could quite easily go on a run of losses. And like your Fulham or your West Brom, because West Brom is still battling. They've got Arsenal, haven't they? Mm. And West Brom... That's three points oh, there for West Brom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on, on a serious note, they, yeah, they haven't been picking up wins, but they've been battling. They're still being competitive. They haven't given up yet. And mm. all it takes is just one sneaky win here to get the boys boosted. And they could go on a run. So it is, it's both ends of the table. Um, some big matches this weekend. Definitely. I think even with Fulham, so they've got four games left, which three of those games are Burnley, Southampton and Newcastle. And yeah, Newcastle, which are all the teams which are just just above them. I think that's Um, not important. I I think Newcastle just need one more win and they're safe because Fulham can only get maximum of 39 points. 
Yeah. And uh, Newcastle on 36. One more victory for them. That's it. With a superior goal difference as With well. With a superior goal difference. Well, yeah. Well, actually, goal difference is the same as uh, Fulham's, but... I think it's yeah. both minus 20, aren't they, off the top of my head? Yeah, minus 20. Yeah, they're both minus 20. But, but, but I, I just can't see the bottom three changing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and obviously, Manchester City versus Chelsea. Just quickly, let's just touch upon that game. Um, Gurvarinder, Chelsea fan, will you beat Man City? Will Man City just have to wait that little bit longer just to seal the title? Is this, you can say, uh, I know our next point will be the Champions League where we'll cover the first and second leg, but... Is that sort of like, let's just say both teams do make it into the Champions League final. Is this, you could say, like, um, just a bit that who, whoever wins that game has sort of got the slight edge leading into that Champions League final. It's going to be it interesting to look at the both, like, what... Because um, City, if they if they draw that... Uh, if they play it safe, if they draw that game, they could, they've still got three games uh, left they, and they can win it. Um, and uh, with uh, Pep Guardiola doing so much ro- uh, rotation with his squad uh, lately, I'm pretty sure he's, he's aiming for that Champions League title. Uh, with Chelsea's l- last four games, including this one, we've got Arsenal next and then Leicester and then Aston Villa. So I think we got the like toughest matches um, going forward. Um, it'd be interesting. I, I, I'm going, I think it's going to be a draw. Um, rotation and we got um FA Cup final as well with Leicester mm. coming up, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, Definitely, I, I think, think it's going to be a guys... draw. Uh, maybe we might edge it. Uh, never know with the with how we're playing at the moment, but uh, Chelsea has not been conceding that many goals recently, apart from that West Brom yeah. game with the red card. But can I remind you as well that City can't win it this weekend either way. No, then they it, can't. It's, it's two. Then it's win two games, you know, or, or hope that United lose against Villa, and yeah. then they'll just uh, uh, Chelsea. So I mean, they 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 probably want to wrap things up because like, mm. uh, you got Champions League in midweek, mm. and then uh, from yeah. there they probably want to wrap up the title, yeah, and then definitely. Uh, so it's it's gonna it's gonna be tough. Mm. I think Chelsea's running just proves to be like really difficult. I think City will try and, uh, to echo what you're saying, nip it in the bud as quick as possible. Mm. Uh, I think they'll be roaring for this one. I think they'll go yeah. all out to kind of finish it off. They want that league title, cement that. And they let's be honest, they've got the squad depth to kind of compete on all yeah. four fronts. Agree. Um, and, yeah. and I think Chelsea are actually in trouble because looking at it, you're five points ahead of Tottenham. Yeah. But you've got a harder run in with yeah. if you look at if you lose on the weekend, I think, and Tottenham win, you're about two points am I Two points clear, yeah, two points. Yeah, and that, then and then you've got Arsenal as well. That's gonna be Leicester gonna be gunning for that top four position. Yeah. We play Leicester back to back with that uh, FA Cup final round and then um then the uh, Premier League game. Looking looking at it, it could be a make or break kind of uh, next couple yeah. of weeks for you guys. Yep, mm. yep. Yeah, so yeah, City looking strong, definitely. Some good views and opinions there. If we just move on now to the European games. So obviously we had the first leg of the Champions League and Europa League games. We start off with Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Go on, so, Madrid! 
<laughs> we we should have won that. Chelsea got the all important. So Chelsea got the all important away goal, and when they were one nil up, there were some really good chances mm. for Werner. Yeah. Um, and Sitter. to be honest, Chelsea Chelsea were controlling the game. Yeah. Uh, the setup for Real Madrid and the formation at the beginning just didn't work, and you know, Kante was running the show. Yeah. Um, but you know, Gurvinder, if we start off with you, obviously you're a Chelsea fan. Views and opinions of that first leg. Um, it, Chelsea started off really good. Um, we dominated the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, obviously, Benzema scored an amazing goal to uh, level the game, but Werner missed a clear cut chance as well. Uh, that should have been a goal. Um, second half, Real Madrid started well, but when Tuchel made the changes and we were on top again, um, I'm just looking at it on Sky Sports, uh, the stats. Um, the possession was 50-50, but Chelsea had more shots uh, than Real Madrid. Three, five on target, whereas Real Madrid only had one. Um, passing was, uh, uh, again, 50-50 as well, uh, both teams. But uh, we should have won that game. Um, it's yeah, good. But- we got a away goal. Um, yeah. uh, away Good-win goal. The- Goodwin, yeah. sorry, you know, I think one thing that lets Chelsea down this season is your finishing up yeah. front. Agreed. And do you do you think that could cost you in the next round? Uh, because yeah. I think remember, I think Madrid also. I know the stats say, but Madrid also changed their tactics as well for that game, which is a bit unusual. Uh, but I, I think again in the, in the return leg, I think they'll be more open because there's no away goal for them. They can only really score away goal, not concede an away goal, so they'll be more adventurous. Than they were there, but do you said? But do you think that could possibly be, go against you that those finish that finishing? Um, uh, maybe, but we got goals uh, elsewhere. Like we got midfield, yeah. like Pulisic on the wing, and they, they all can create goals. Yeah. Um. Um. Obviously, our top uh, scorer this season is uh, Tammy Abraham, but he's not playing any games under football. Yeah, I think it's shocking. That it's, yeah. yeah, um, I don't know, maybe that's it, will, uh, it doesn't match his style or anything, but we definitely got yeah. goals elsewhere, like Pulisic, um, uh, running on the wings and uh, ZH. Um, we definitely got goals. Um, but Werner, surprisingly, he's been really good at assisting goals, uh, he's our top assist uh, for the season. So on the weekend, as well, he uh, assisted Kai Havertz. Uh, Kai Havertz getting two goals on the weekend um, that should boost his confidence uh, to to start the game against Real Madrid one thing yeah. I like uh, Navrat said about the tactics I think Madrid messed up with the tactics and I don't think they're going to be that bad again so in that aspect I think Chelsea missed the trick and they should have taken full advantage because um, I can't see Madrid being that bad again yeah Chelsea, Chelsea were all over them really all of them, like you said, Werner should have scored. Um, but I just can't see Madrid being that bad again. Do you know? Uh, then, uh, go on, Bolasie. Sorry, um, I was going to say. I think in the second leg, Chelsea are going to. They're at home. They're going to play. Chelsea will change their tactic. Tuchel is um, uh, is is a very tactical manager, and I think that their goal. And try and nick it one nil. I know Real Madrid have got the attacking players, but the pressure's all on Real Madrid. They need to win. They, they've they've actually lost the league. Um, do you know? I mean, they can still win it, but 
you know that I think the pressure's on. They need to win um, in Europe. They need to win their league, and the, the pressure's showing for the players. I think Chelsea could actually, you know, just sneak it one nil, maybe even keep it at nil nil. Well, what they um, did it against uh, Atletico Madrid. They got a away goal and then came back, um, uh, played defensive. In the end, we. Uh, Emerson scored a goal, but he, but yeah, Ramos is um, expected to come back. Uh, however, on the weekend, um, Varane got injured, um, so he's not likely to start. Um, so that's that's a plus for us. Hopefully, yeah. I think that's a that that's a big setback with Varane um, if if he doesn't feature. But Sergio Ramos, you know, the general, uh, the guy that bleeds Real Madrid through and through. Uh, the guy's a winner. The guy's the leader. He'll do anything what it takes to win. Um, and you know when he's playing, you know he's going to expect the best from his team. And, he's, he's, uh, he's a game changer. Yeah, he's yeah, a slimy definitely. player, nasty he is, uh, player. He knows how to win. You know, like ooh. they say, the dark cards. Yeah, he'll use yeah. everything to try and get that win. But then, quite yeah. equally, if the if the referee switched on. Mm. Right, he could. He's one of those that could quite easily get sent off. Yeah. So either way, either way, he's going to be the turning point in the, the match. Either he does something brilliant that helps him win, or he's going to do something crazy that's going to make. I, I, I don't think there was a VAR when the uh, elbow incident happened with Mosala. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were. He's, that no, but he's wasn't a free kick. Like that. that was never an elbow. Come oh on. no! Listen, let's not talk about that now. <laughs> right. no, no. But R- Ramos has always been like that. He's a He's one of those sly, slimy players yeah. that if he's in your team, you love him. Yeah. yeah. But when he's against you, he's you're a absolutely leader. hate him. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he's a leader for them. Next season, he could be at United free transfer. So <laughs> we need someone older, experienced. Hey. <laughs> get, get you out of retirement. Get you in there. Get me out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of Ramos himself, I think he's been one of the best in terms of... Uh, set pieces when when you've got a deadlock game and you're looking for that moment of brilliance you get a corner or a free kick you can rely on this guy to kind of get you get you that goal from that set piece um he's really great in the air and uh he proved it against Atletico Madrid a couple of seasons ago in the Champions League final when he when he got that goal and added time uh, like Real Madrid really rely on him but i think it's the testament to how well Militao and Varane have been playing. Uh, well, Varane only played the last game, but Militao, as soon as he's come in, he's just looked like amazing. And to to think there's there's questions of whether I know, like before this incident on the weekend where Varane got injured, there was talks about who does Ramos replace. It, it's kind of uh, kind of a good good thing that um, Militao's kind of brought his presence because not many people knew about him before. Uh, these last couple of seasons. Well, it's good uh, for Real Madrid's really future, well. isn't it? Um, yeah. Players coming through. The last thing I was going to say was, um, I think the biggest miss in the first leg was actually Valverde. He was amazing against Liverpool. And the fact that he unfortunately missed the first leg, I think that really showed in terms of um, a player that can move forward with the ball quite confidently, do those kind of triangle passes, have the confidence to take someone on when you're right back. Um, not in your natural position, I think it showed. And and Marcelo, the way the way he came in, it, it just quite didn't have that same effect as uh, as Valverde had. But um, 
it was an overall great result for Chelsea and English football. <laughs> Predictions? Predictions then for the second leg. Um, I'll go first. Go on, Jax. <laughs> okay. Um, Real Madrid. Ramos back. Free up top. Benzema. Real Madrid to nick this. Real Madrid to nick it right at the end. And so go through to the For final. extra time. I don't know what the score will be. I can see them both scoring. But I, I don't know. I just fancy Real Madrid in this one. With Zidane. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, Chelsea with the, with the German brain surgeon, you know, with Tuchel. <laughs> tactical. You can't write him off, Mason Mount. But I don't know. There's something about Real Madrid still. There's something still about him. So I'm going for Real Madrid. I, don't, I, I can't say a score. I can't say a score, but Real Madrid to go to the final. Can I, can I, can, if Govinda can give us that is the end because we can end up with positive rather than the negative maybe. So we'll end up with Govinda on the quirks predictions for this one. But um, for it now. I, I tend to agree, Jigman. I think, I think the, the whole team of Madrid is a very experienced team. Been there, done that, worn the T-shirt. They've been in this position many a time where they've been down in the first leg and come back away from home and won second legs, right, you know? Um, and, and I just think it's a very dangerous uh, team to write off, right, you know? Um, so I, I just think, you know, in the end, I think, I think it will be 2-1 maybe to Madrid. Right, Fair you know? enough. Fair so. enough. But Rod Singh, you go next. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I think it's going to be a nil-nil. I think <laughs> it's going to be a boring match. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> nil, nil. It's going to be tight. Like I say, Chelsea could just sit back and defend their away goal. Yep. You know, having Real Madrid to attack, I think they've got, they're capable enough to keep them out um, or keep it to just one goal. I can see Chelsea, if Chelsea, Chelsea could nick a goal as well. So nil, nil, one, one, whatever. But I think Chelsea will sneak through. Um, and get into the final. I, I just, I, I have that feeling, you know, with Tuchel coming in, um, maybe it's the end of an era for the Real Madrid, Real Madrid team. Mm. Um, sorry, I just got distracted. West Ham have just scored an amazing goal. Um, Lingard? He scored. No, it's not Lingard, it's Antonio. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Um, two goals for Antonio, it's 2-1. Burnley scored first penalty, Wood. Um, but anyway, back to this, yeah. Nil nil or one one, it's going to be a draw. But Chelsea sneaks through to the final. Melinder Singh. Yeah, I reckon um, Chelsea are definitely going to take a more cautious approach. I think they're going to, at least for the first half, try and play it out um, as a draw. It's going to be pretty tight. You'll see a barrage of attacks by Real Madrid, but I think Chelsea's got enough in defence to kind of cope with it. Second half will probably be a bit more interesting, where. Um, I think Real Madrid might score relatively early between 45th and 60th minute. Um, and then I think from then, it's just going to be all out Chelsea trying to get that goal. But I think Real Madrid will have just enough in the tank to kind of see it through. So I can really easily see a, a 1-0 Real Madrid um, or even 1-1 going into extra time, probably. If Chelsea can go the distance, get to penalties and and whatnot, um, I'd probably back Chelsea to go through in that instance. Adam Deet saying your predictions. Prediction, I think uh, 
someone touched on it about the tactics and the brain surgeon aspect. I think it's going to be a tactical game. Zidane, like I said before, won't get his tactics wrong this time. Well, he shouldn't. And my personal feeling is I think 2-1 Real Madrid. Um, I can see both teams scoring. I just can't see Chelsea keeping uh, Madrid out. When they start clicking, they've still got that aura about them. So, I don't know. Chelsea, Chelsea done impressed me in the first games. I was surprised, I'll be honest. They went and gave it to Real Madrid. But like I said, I think Chelsea blew their chance in that match. Real Madrid were there for the taking. And I think this second leg uh, will make Chelsea pay for missing so many chances in the first leg. Fair enough. Gurvarinder, Chelsea fan. Semi-final, second leg. Enlighten us. You know Blue is the colour. Exactly. <laughs> Football is I the game. Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea is definitely going to win. Um, yeah. um, I'll say maybe a draw and then we win with that away goal. Um, but uh, in the first leg... Um, all, all the big players, uh, Tony Crows, uh, Modric, uh, Casemiro, they were all uh, nowhere to be seen. Um, Kante was running the show. Um, so it's going to be interesting, definitely, I think. Um, uh, um, yeah, Chelsea's going to win, that's it. Uh, Fair draw. enough. That's all he knows. Chelsea's going to win. <laughs> if, 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 if everyone's, everyone's on... Um, um, on the like focus on on that day and yep. play their game, uh, would whatever instruction the manager set yep. them and they do their thing. I think uh, Tuchel, uh, it's a great manager. Um, yeah. we've seen it since he took over. Yeah. Um, you can't argue with that. So it's you gonna know, be a mastermind that uh, match. You know what? Good luck to them. And I think if Chelsea get to the final, I hope they go to win it. Right? You know. So yeah, if they get there, they they deserve it. So it's, it's that simple. Last Definitely. week, last week I predicted the score. It was uh, I said an, um, a draw with the away goal, and that happened. So, so yeah. What's the, what's the winning lottery numbers for this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think he, he, he won't share them with us. Yeah, that's he won't share them with us. <laughs> I think Chelsea need a target man for this this game. I think now's the time. You need someone like bullish to kind of hold the ball up and bring Werner Ziyech kind of into play. Pulisic, Giroud. I think. Giroud. Yeah, well, Giroud. yeah, Giroud, Abraham. They've got two great options um, there, and I think Guys, this, this is that kind of game where you punt the ball forward. You you don't mm-hmm. mess around in the back trying to play it out to the back. You just go long, get rid of it, no nonsense. Get someone big to kind of hold it up. Bring your your key kind of wingers into play and then try and hit Real Madrid on the counter. Right, okay. Definitely, that's going to be a very interesting second leg. And the other game as well, PSG versus Manchester City. Man City were under the cosh in the first half when Mbappe, Neymar and Verratti were running the show. But in the second half, when Pep and his Blue Army took control, it was a different ball game. Man City, will they bottle it in the second leg or will they march on to the final? Can Poch stop Pep Guardiola at the Etihad again in the Champions League? If we start off with Melinda Singh, what are your thoughts and feelings on the on the first leg? I think Pep played a really dangerous game in the sense that he went false nine. Mm. I was quite surprised by that. Um, mm. But 
the amount of quality City possess, I think they can afford to do that. You've got players that score goals in Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez, um, De Bruyne from range. Um, you've got Sterling on his day when he's there. I think they have a lot of quality like to kind of do that. But in a semi-final of the Champions League, it was one of those things where if you experiment and it goes completely wrong, that's your season over. Um, but luckily, uh, through a moment of quality, a massive amount of luck, I think City broke that first little kind of duck, got the goal. Before that, it was all PSG. Um, onslaught, barrages of attack. They looked completely comfortable in the game. But the second City got a sniff of of that equaliser and De Bruyne levelled it, I think from there, City are one of the hardest. Like Aside from Barcelona, the way I've seen them play in recent years, well, previous years to uh, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, even before that, they keep the ball very well. And when you're chasing the game, um, it really shows. And the fact that PSG went down to 10 men um, and had to play quite a significant chunk of that game with 10 men, it it really showed that like City's dominance kind of prevailed in the end. Um, and then it was only a matter of time until they got that little bit of, again, fortune in Riyad Mahrez's uh, lovely free kick. But I think that defending on that free kick was just abysmal. Um, to kind of turn your back like that, I'm really not a fan of, of people that do that. Um, at that point, you'd probably just, you're better off taking one in the gut than... <laughs> moving over and uh, letting that through. But I think Kaylor Navas pretty much had a shocker on both goals. He could have done a little bit better. But um, City looked to to kind of progress. I, I think uh, they'll get to the final and probably meet Real Madrid, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Baraj? Right, yeah, I, I just wanted to say I predicted PSG last week, I think, because um, I thought they'll step up they've got the players but one thing that PSG are consistent with is not showing any guts in the second half do you know if you go at them they just collapse they flop Neymar Mbappe that second half the first half they ran everything in my opinion Um, they were amazing some brilliant football but then as soon as Man City started getting into them they couldn't take, they fell apart. They fell apart. Like, I mean, with ascending off as well. Um, and like, like you mentioned as well, Melinda saying the uh, defending the free kick, not taking it in the guts. They didn't show any, any guts basically um, to try and win that match, to fight for it, to, to go through. So I think, I, I think they've let the pressure get to them. And I just don't think they've got the minerals to go go through. I think Man City, it's massive advantage, Man City. Um, and I think Man City will d- destroy them. I can see like a 2-0 um, this next match. PSG um, have a habit, isn't it, of yeah. um, kind of capitulating. Last year, I think they, they fell to, to Bayern, um, which was quite unlucky. It was in the final. Um, the year before that, or even before that, when they played Barcelona and they were 4-0 up in the first leg, they just absolutely bot- exactly. bottled it for the for the second leg. Liverpool uh, have done something about era. their mentality. Yeah. 
Man, you yeah, Melinda, yeah. Melinda, don't forget about uh, the May United comeback in in Paris as well. Oh, there's that for Lukaku. Yeah. Well, when Lukaku it. was a world beater. But consistently, what we're saying is they've consistently shown PSG that they've yeah. not got the bottle. Yeah, can they I say, bottle it. Yeah. They bottle on, it. On, on that, Hannah, you're right. I, I think City, uh, man, City, sorry. Well, City do bottle it as well themselves in the past few years, but, um, but PSG do bottle it, but they find they bottle it more in Paris. All these results have more or less been in Paris in their own home ground. But now it's the opposite. They're going away from home. And if you look at United, if I can compare United to PSG, for example, last few years, we've beaten them away from home, each time they and they've beaten us away from home. Mm. You know, they've been better at Manchester. We've been better in Paris. All right, you know. And and same with Barcelona, when they played Barcelona. Yeah, I think City were very good in the second half. In the first half, I think, it's, I think they're very lucky just to go in one nil down, in my opinion. And... Uh, in the second leg, it just depends which city turn up as well. Right, you know? Are they going to be relaxing? You know, because all the hype at the moment now is, well, you know, they got one and a half feet in the final. It's just a matter of time. But Pep's the kind of manager to keep their feet in the ground. I get that. But at the same time, you, human nature is human nature. Right, you know, and you can't always believe your own press. So it just depends which city turn up. And if PSG do get an early goal, right, you know, could set the butterflies going. I, I suppose it depends on yeah. the team Pep puts out as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I, I, he's, he's a rotator. We know that. Yeah, but yeah. No, no. I, th- I think I think Man City will still be just a little bit yeah. too strong for him. I yeah. agree with what you're saying, yeah. but I think Man City will be just a mm. bit too strong because the pressure will get to them. They Paris know they need to win yeah. in uh, Manchester, and they need to win big. Yeah. Um, and do you want to give? Do you want to give to them. Do you want to give us predictions now as well while we talk? Will you say a piece so that we don't have to come back to it? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, um, Man City 2 0. Yeah, okay. I, I, I also kind of, even though, despite of what I just said, I still think, yeah, City will probably just about nick it. I'm not going to give a scoreline, but I think City will nick it maybe 1 0 or, or something, but they will nick it. So that, that looks like it hurt you to say that. Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I did. But uh, at the end of the day, we have to be realistic on the podcast as well. So. <laughs> well with Mbappe missing as well, that, uh, I think uh, there's doubts about him. Yeah, there's doubts. Yeah, Ready for that. Yeah. What's your prediction, Melinda? Sorry, we just uh, quickly. I'm going to go bold and say 3-0 City. I think they're going to just destroy him. Okay, there you go. Cam, yeah. go okay, the, the first uh, leg, like everyone saying, PSG... Busted the first half. I didn't think Man City were that bad. I just thought PSG really showed their class. And again, someone touched on it with a false nine. I thought it was a bit of arrogance from Guardiola, but because uh, City are so good, uh, they can carry it. They probably need more players up front to hurry and hassle the PSG defenders. But the second half, on the context of the game, like the semi-final of the Champions League and it's between two evenly matched sides, I thought it was one of the best passing displays I'd seen from a team because every time City were getting the ball from defence, everyone, the wing-backs, they was pinging it about, pinging it about everyone's getting the ball. Hardly any passes were getting missed. Second leg, I don't know. It's going to be tight. It's, first goal's going to be important, but again, like the, first, uh, the Chelsea match, I think it's going to be 2-1 to City. Maybe 3-1. If uh, PSG get brave and really try and go for it, I think uh, Man City is probably going to end up tearing them apart. Yeah. 
Good stuff. Gurvarinder, um, your thoughts and feelings of the first leg of that game and also your prediction, but also as a as a Chelsea fan, who do you want to play in the final? If you get there. Yeah, if you if get, you there, get yeah. there. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to get um, yeah, that's right. Played, yeah. But um, uh, first leg, I think uh, PSG was, they were playing good, but then they, they just lost concentration and then did let two silly goals in. I suppose that uh, second goal, the ball, isn't it? Just the parting of the Nile or something, and it? it's just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that was like, that was not good for PSG. Um, City with so much rotation going on at the moment with the with the Premier League uh, and Champions League, um, they, their players are going to be fit and roaring to go and win that. And Pep Guardiola wants to win that. Um, he's been he's not won it anywhere else uh, since he left uh, Barcelona, and um, chances of him winning this season um, are quite strong. Um, I'm saying that fair more. Who, who would you fare more in the final, PSG or City? Um, I'll say uh, I. I don't know. I don't know. They they both got lethal uh, um, strikers um, finishes. Probably City more because the form they are on at the moment is just yeah. It's crazy. Um, I'm I'm going with the score with the City winning. Um, I don't want to win. Probably I'd rather play PSG at the moment. Um, uh, with if Mbappe is going to be injured, because Man City all their players are fit. Um, after this uh, midweek game and the weekend they play Chelsea, they're gonna they're gonna be on fire. They just wrap this up. They're gonna be like. That's that's it. Uh, attack all the way. Just get the goals and then bury the game. That's. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Guardiola probably just want to get this done and get the treble uh, treble on. So yeah, I'm, I'm with predictions. I'm going with uh, City gonna win that game. I want PSG to win, but that's not gonna happen. I think. <laughs> Defo. Uh, I, I know that my prediction last week, I said, yeah, that PSG will make it to the final. Um, and after, well, what Man City did to them and what could potentially happen, I would actually change my mind. Um, I don't think Man City will walk it. Um, but yeah, I can see Man City going through. But that's going to be an interesting, both of those legs. Uh, hopefully there's some drama in there. There was, there was plenty of drama in the Europa League. Man United versus Roma, 6-2, surely it's over. it's over. You know that they say that Rome wasn't built in a day, but the team from Rome were crushed in the second half by the trio of Pogba, Bruno and Cavani. Navrad saying, smiling as a Manchester United fan. Yeah. I know, I definitely, I definitely wasn't smiling at halftime, but I had a massive yeah. smile on my face that full time. The semi-final demons, are they over? Is there still a job to do? Talk to us. United all the way, right? It's good to see Barajas' heads in his hands a second ago. But, <laughs> but, uh, but ultimately, you know, I think the AC Milan game summed up United's season, in my opinion. Yeah. Some defensive errors, a poor first half performance and a scintillating second half. Right, you know, we're, we're on our day. Right? We're a match for anyone. Right, you know. Uh, so 
I, I think it was a great second half performance. I think we just blew them away. Our, the team attacked to the best of how they could attack, right? And, and we just knocked them out. Half time, you're right. I wasn't feeling great. You know, I was thinking, you know, how the hell, you know, these gremlins of a defense and a silly marking and how do they get past the XYZ? Well, going through my head, and I was a bit, you know, upset about the, about the first half performance. But, you know, the way United have been this season, in the back of my mind, I thought, you know what? Okay, it's first half. This is the story of our season. And we can come back and, and true, true to that. And, um, you know, in the second half, we did. I, I thought we started the game well. I thought first 10, 15 minutes, we got the uh, 1-0 lead. Bruno scored, and I thought it was deserved. But then that, that half an hour, we seemed to have lost that concentration. Maybe we felt that we were, to, yeah, you know what? It's not that hard. Maybe, you know, we're 1-0 up, and we're not being that tough that much. At the end of the day, Milan only had two shots in the whole game, and they scored from both of them. One was a penalty, you know. and But ultimately, they took their chance. You know, all the chances, the two chances they had. Uh but we didn't. We had about 10, 12 chances the whole game. We didn't put, we, we put six away, but we didn't put all of them away. Uh, so, yes, I do think we've got a four-goal cushion. Um, and I'd be very surprised if United did throw this away. I mean, we might even lose, right? It depends what team he puts out. But um, ultimately, I think United will, will uh, preserve their lead on aggregate and, and go through. Or uh, maybe, you know, 2-1 to United away. Navarad Singh, just a quick one um, and two questions. And if you could just answer them really quickly. Uh, yeah. With the second leg, with obviously not playing the Liverpool game, um, yeah. that's, that's a week's rest. Um, do we go full strength? And um, also the second question is how important is it to get, I know there was talks about Cavani and it looks like Cavani will be staying for another season, but how Super. also important is it for Pogba to extend his stay at Manchester United as well. I think it's for Pogba. I think it's uh, well. Firstly, yeah, it's good news about Cavani. I know it's not confirmed yet, but my the way we're hearing things that, that it's just gonna he's gonna confirm one more season, uh, which is great news. Uh, when people say there's a panic buy, but he clearly wasn't, and uh, he's a fantastic signing this season. Um, then, uh, then Pogba. I th- I think uh, it's very important that Pogba stays. Because I think United do need uh, other areas to strengthen, i.e. defence, right wing and attack. And if Pogba was to leave, that becomes a fourth area. And you think of the current climate, how much would we need then? Do we sacrifice a right winger? Do we sacrifice centre forward? Do we sacrifice someone in defence to replace Pogba? You know, I know we're not going to get Pogba for free, but ultimately, you know, it's hard enough to get three players in, let alone four good quality players. So I think it's... A, Really important to get Pogba. And Pogba is a re- this last season and a half, uh, since he came back from injury last year, has been performing to a very good standard. Um, and, and it's proven himself to be very important to the team. And, and I think going forward, he's found himself being loved again uh, by, by the club. Right? And I think, you know, hopefully, even since what Raiola said in December, uh, Pogba's saying something different. It's different wording from both coming out. And I, I think he will stay, in my opinion. Um, but with time will tell. And I, I do hope he stays. And just j- just quickly, just to finish up on that, um, do you see us going full strength um, in that oh, game? Yes. Or will there be some changes? Uh, for example, players like Dan James uh, playing, will uh, the youngster, Ahmad Diallo, uh, will, will he get a 45 minutes? Donny van der Beek, um, what about him? Yeah, no, sorry, that question as well. Uh, I, th- I think if we had played Liverpool, I don't think he would have gone for a strong side. You're right, you made a good point. 
but because it's they've had a week's rest, he may Solskjaer may feel he wants to send out a message to the team, to the squad, keep them momentum, and whoever they're playing the final that hey, we won by a big margin in the second half, uh, keep the confidence, keep the team run. But I think he will make a few changes. Uh, I think Alex Tellis may come in for sh- uh, for sure, and I think Rashford will be rested because of his injury problems the last few weeks. Uh, maybe Diallo might come in on the right side, uh, but or, or, or more more likely James. I think you know. So yeah, I think those two changes I think he might make uh, than anything else. Rather than, maybe not Van der Beek. He may not possibly. I don't think he trusts him enough yet. You know. So I think that's time to on that. Thank you, Navrad Singh, and hopefully that will be another European final for Manchester United. Moving on to the other semi-final, Villarreal versus Arsenal. Arsenal got the all-important away goal to keep the tie alive. But can the Gunners turn this around and set up the an all-English showdown in the Europa League final? I believe we have an Arsenal rant. Melinda Singh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so, watching that game, absolutely scandalous of a performance. One of the worst performances I've seen this season. Um don't be fooled by the scoreline. I don't know if many people watched the game um, on this panel, but that was one of the worst performances I've seen this season. And to gear yourself up and motivate yourself for your be-all and end-all match, um, it was absolutely shocking from A, the manager, um, in the sense that he went totally similar to Pep Guardiola and, and went with the false nine. We tried to play Smith Rowe in a false nine position. I can't remember ever a time where we've played a false nine position under Arsenal. And um, it was absolutely scandalous to try and even experiment in the biggest game of our season. The fact that we've kind of put the uh, league form to the side to put all our eggs in this basket, we've gone out and, and just absolutely showed no, like, kind of motivation to kind of win that game and uh, uh, something that the players need to take ownership the manager definitely needs to take ownership and um, I think we need to really turn it around and I actually think we probably will win the second leg um, quite comfortably Um, it happened previously when we played uh, Olympiacos and Benfica where we had four first legs but turned it around in the second leg um, and so I don't doubt it. The only problem is we've got a very poor home record this season. It seems in the league, everyone comes to the Emirates and, and beats us. And interestingly, I saw a, a fact. Um, I think we've lost over nine home games this season. And prior to uh, in the Wenger era, I think we had only ever lost four games at, at the Emirates. So um, it's, it's, it's a massive um, kind of... Um, downfall um, right now our home home record but I think we'll have enough in the tank to get through I think we need to just play our full strength side as much as we can make sure we get our left back back um, in Kieran Tierney um, and hopefully I'd even go um, in formation wise this this coming Thursday I'd probably say put Saka in left back um, along with Martinelli. For some reason, Arteta seems to um, not like playing Martinelli, but I think he's one of our best players in terms of upcoming youth talent. And uh, he actually starts that that pressing game that we kind of try to play, but don't do well enough. 
Um, and uh, I think Pepe, he's kind of cemented his place in, in the lineup to kind of merit playing um, on the wing. And he really needs to go a bum young up top. I think he's recovered from malaria now. And uh, I think it's now about time that we kind of show to the fans the, the support that we've given them. Um, obviously, this has been a dreadful season and any little silver lining out of this um, could be could be a good thing. Uh, one last thing on the manager, I'd probably say his, his tactical substitutions were awful. Um, they have been awful all season. Um, the fact that he left Danny Ceballos on uh, whilst he was on a yellow card in the first half um, had an injury um, to... Uh, I think it was uh, one of our midfielders and and literally just carried on playing him had 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 a had a a foul done against uh, himself ref said one last warning and then within a minute later got fouled again and and sent off and, and then from that point we were just up uphill battle and uh to, to get to get an away goal, a soft penalty, if I might add, um, that's the one bit of silver lining, and it's given us a chance. I think Leno made some great saves in that game. We could have easily been three 0 down, but uh, long and behold, we've got a chance, and uh, over to the next leg. Can I just quickly ask, will Sabayos be a miss then for you guys? Do you reckon? Glad, or... Gladly, yes. So I'd put Granit Xhaka back into the midfield and and drop Saka into left back. I think if Tierney's not fit, I think we really need to kind of um, kick on in, in that midfield. That's going to be a big midfield battle between Xhaka and Partey. They've been our kind of best midfield pivot. And then I think that left-back position is going to be the worst because that, that Chuck Wazy guy that I was talking about, he, he was actually causing a lot of problems last week. And uh, You did really mention him last week that. as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, we really need to address that issue. Can't have Xhaka, a central midfielder, uh, playing in a left-back position against one of the fastest wingers around. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who would be good for Arsenal, right? Going This is a different topic, different day. But Tammy Abrahams, 40 million quid from Chelsea. Do good for you. I'd rather take Giroud back. <laughs> I'd rather Abraham. Good player. Well, I'm I'm sure there'll be plenty of um, speculations, activity in the summer for the transfer windows, and we're going to be covering that as well. Uh, Melinda, thank you very much for your views, which brings us to the final point, the final uh, aspect of this agenda, which is the fans' protest. So yesterday, just like myself, just like all the panel members and millions across the world, we were ready to witness the English classic. Now, everyone was calling this like a dead rubber game, but... For me, uh, and I'm sure all Manchester United and Liverpool fans, there ain't such thing as a, a dead rubber or even a friendly, even if it's pre-season, you just want to get one over them. Absolutely, um, 100%. 100%. <laughs> so, I mean, look, I, I was looking forward to it. Uh, got everything done out of the way, made sure, you know, I was getting ready, uh, go home. The team's even got released. Um, mm. Who's going to be the first, you know, names on the team sheet, the starting lineup? Then I get a link that everything's kicking off at Old Trafford. It definitely wasn't kickoff time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so with the fans' protest, now it started, you could say, not even before. Um, not, not, this is 
a lot of people can say, yes, it's got something to do with the ESL. But for Manchester United fans, this started way back in 2005 against the Glazers. Manchester United fans are not the only ones that protest. We know that Liverpool have done this back in 2010, 2011. The Arsenal fans have been doing this. There's many ways to protest and by all means, if there's any sort of violence, anyone getting hurt, any sort of like property damage or vandalism, of course, we're against that. And there should be ways how to protest. But with the ESL, was that the final nail in the coffin? When Manchester United fans got into the Carrington um, training complex as well, after that, everyone thought, what's next? Then they stopped the biggest game, you could say, in English football, if not the world. And they were successful in that. It, it, it wasn't even delayed. It was totally called off and that's going to be scheduled for another, for, for another day this month. But um, this is the main talking point. Brad saying, can you please kick us off on the fans' protest? Yeah, well, like, just like you said, I was there ready for the match. I know we've not been on best form, but it's still a match that you really look forward to. Um, and as the day were going on, you know, like on Twitter, um, messages. Have you seen what's happening? Have you seen what's happening? You know, getting the WhatsApp videos coming through of the guy smashing the camera and all this sort of stuff. Um, and even in our, like, we, we have our own little WhatsApp group. And even we were saying, oh, well, it won't get called off. Um, I remember Navrad Singh saying yesterday in the group, um, they won't postpone. They'll just play it because it is a big money game. And for the way the fans have done this, they've got on, they've had the biggest match of the season. And, and this is no offence to any of the other clubs. They, it's Manchester United versus Liverpool is always going to be the match that sells the Premier League abroad. All these foreign countries, like if I was sat in India and say match postponed because of protests, sat in Australia, sat in Canada, wherever, all these countries have seen that these fans are protesting and people, you know, from other countries who weren't quite familiar with the ESL stuff that we got all over the news. Um, they were asking, what's this all about? Now, like you say, it is to do with the glazers and glazers out. And this has been going on for a long time, but fans are fed up now. I know Liverpool, right. We've had it pretty good with when FSG came in, um, they, they've not done us too badly, but this, um, ESL thing has sort of soured the taste with them and I know now they're looking to sell the club um, Newcastle fans I know we sort of mentioned how a big club they are they've been you know complaining about their owner for years Mike Ashley wanting him out Tottenham are now getting fed up with uh, Daniel Levy Cronkies out everyone is not happy with their owners at the moment but in reality what I want to say is we get rid of these owners, who's going to come in? It's just going to be people that are with the same mentality, same thinking. As, as clubs, we need to adopt. And I, I've really thought about this over the, this last week, even before the protests. Um, I've been thinking about, you know, the German um, model. way of German fans. Model. Yeah, the German model of fans running clubs. I know it won't happen because there's so much money involved in the Premier League. The chairman won't want to give up their pennies, do you know? But we need to really serious some sort of serious legislation, something like that, like they have in Germany, 
where fans run their clubs. With fans running clubs, um, everything the club does will definitely be accountable. They can't do these behind-the-scene deals like they've done. Like when the Premier League was formed, I mean, even that, going back, never mind ESL, when the Premier League was formed, it was done exactly the same way. These chairmen wanted to break away from the Football League. Um, it's just that they got a big TV channel to back them, got money, and um, the, the, the Football League were resigned to losing them, so they just had to go along with it. Whereas this time with the ESL, um, the other leagues sort of kicked off about it and said, well, we're going to kick you out and sanctions. The, these clubs got a bit scared because there wasn't that backing from everybody else. But the protests yesterday, just going to that, I know like they were saying, oh, like Gary Neville was saying, oh, peaceful protests. They weren't peaceful protests as we, as we saw. Um, Liverpool fans have not had peaceful protests. Um, we need to start making a bit more of a stand. More stuff like this um, coming out. Uh, my dad was asking me, he goes, do you know why are they, why they making all this noise? And I explained to him. And then we were going down the Premier League table and with the foreign ownership and big business ownership and not money coming in. Now, I'm, 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 to be honest with you, I agree with these Manchester United fans that got on there, disrupted everything. It's shown that, look, either sort yourselves out or we are going to keep disrupting. I think fans of other clubs, and I'm not doing this to incite violence or anything like that, because I don't agree with violence, but I think they should protest where it causes a disruption to fixtures. Not, like I said, I'm not condoning violence at all. Um, that, that's a step too far, in my opinion. But, but once you disrupt matches, yeah, um, just even like, you know, stand in front of the coaches, don't let the players you come in, you know, like have a barricade, you know, like go on strike sort of thing. Um, but just somehow cause a dent in the pockets of these chairmen in the TV channels because they're not uh, innocent in this as well. They're complicit uh, with, with the chairmen of, the, uh, the of these clubs and, and the boards. Um, and really the, the discussion needs to start now. Get um, fan participation into these clubs. Get them running clubs um, just like they do in Germany. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with anything I've said. I've just had a bit of a rant here. I've, I've been letting it build up for, <laughs> for a day because it has yeah. really made me angry um, the yeah. way the clubs are, are just thinking that they can get away with anything. Like, yes, I'm a Liverpool fan. I don't get... And we have the banter with Manchester United. But what the Glazers... They, they bought the club with a loan, I believe, um, and then put all their debt into the club to pay the loan. Um, and they've not really invested anything into the club. From what I've read and researched about it, like I said, I'm not a Man U fan. You guys that are could probably uh, agree or disagree with what I'm saying. But what I believe is they've not actually put any of their own money into the club. The money that goes into transfers and everything has come in from revenue, shirt sales, tickets, transfers. So what kind of owners are they? They're just taking money out. They're not in it for the good of the game. And these are the people that you need to root out. This Premier League um, fit owners test, that's just a mockery anyway. Um, it's because if, if they want these people in, they'll let them in. They'll find a way to get them in. 
Um, so, yeah, it's just making a mockery of the fans and of the clubs at the moment. Just a quick one, obviously, before Navrad Singh um, uh, gives us his point of view uh, of the protests and obviously the Glazers and how Manchester United are going to go forward. Uh, obviously, Bharad Singh, just quickly mentioning, with the Glazers, they bought the club with a loan, transferred the debt of the loan to the club. They've put zero of their own money into Manchester United. All the transfers has come from the club's revenue and they have taken over £2 billion out of the club. Two billion. I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah, yeah. And wow. think about it; it's only going up every single season. Nav, how do you feel being a Manchester United fan? Well, first and foremost, I, I agree with a lot of what Barajing says as well. Strangely enough, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but it's it, it, it's right, you know. That what you have to remember, I think, when when the Glazers came in for and capitalist owners came in in 2015, which is what they are, right? There was quite rightly protests and everybody else. We had people from other Premier League sides. I look at them. They're happy. A lot of people are happy. Yeah, they got uh, United got chairman who you know Hopefully they'll they'll fall away and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. But what happened uh, yesterday wasn't just about the Super League. It was also about obviously the Glazers. There's a history that like, people have been reporting throughout the day as well. Yeah. But what, what but now? What United were protesting about now? They were. Right, in the sense that it's affected the other sides. It's affected now. It's affected the league and the other six, five sides, top five, six sides altogether in in, in Britain, uh, and the rest of the league. This capital, the capitalist German disease, whatever it was, and now everybody's saying, "Hey, you know, United fans were right. Right, we have to stop owners like this coming in because it's not only affecting United now. It's a, it's affecting everybody else. Right, the capitalism and." Uh, all it is about money that they're not interested about the history or the future or, or the generation and, and, and stuff like that, you know, of the club. And I think, I while obviously we don't condone violence, we we wish it couldn't happen or wouldn't happen. I know two two uh, people were injured yesterday in the, in the two police officers were injured yesterday uh, in the protest. But on the whole, it was peaceful up to the extent. Yeah, a few camera mics. Which protest that ever had a meaning was that has ever been 100% peaceful? Whether it's Black Lives Matter throughout history, there's always been one of the odd injury. I'm not condoning, I'm not saying it should happen, but when you have a crowd of thousands of people, you always get two or three nutters, right? Yeah, two yeah. idiots who it takes one person to throw a bottle to cut a police officer's face and then to malign the rest of the thousands of people, you know? And you have to look beyond that. And I don't want this podcast to be focusing just on that because a lot of the media are trying to focus especially sky or, or sky affiliated bodies are trying to focus away from the protest because they're complicit to an extent to, to this capitalist market focus away from the point that your fans were making yesterday to to the violence uh, to, uh you know and, and so forth but what bigger point could be made and i think more than the protest more than running on the pitch what they did was postpone the greatest, biggest game of English and arguably the world football club on club level, you know, uh, and that will have sent messages throughout the world. Now people are talking from America and Australia about it as well. And I think although I wasn't, I wanted to watch the game even selfishly. You, have, but you have to take the game out of it. You have to the fixture is because what happened yesterday was bigger than the fixture. You know, what is bigger than Man United 
And Liverpool is football itself, right, you know? And, and ultimately, the fact that it's postponed, right, was actually a good thing, even though it may not have been the intention of the fans, right? Yeah, originally, it was, the intention may have just been to do a protest that creates uh, attention. Um, I mean, somebody made a point. There was allegedly in a, a, a protest at Arsenal last week, which there was, and I use, I use the word allegedly because people have already forgotten about it, right, you know? But I don't think people forget what happened yesterday, right, you know? Yep. And people have to use that as a cat. Other clubs have to use that as a catapult, you know? It's all very well. People and clubs like PSG or City or Chelsea who have got rich owners who use no credit card and they don't have a, a, a debt, you know? But then all these owners aren't going to be there forever. When Abramovich or City or the Dubai or PSG, or whoever sell up, they're going to sell up to the odd businessman somewhere along the line. It could affect anybody every time. You know, it's a protecting your future, not just the present. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just wanted to say, if the Glazers decide uh, tomorrow, we're going to yeah. pull out. And they say, we're just pulling out. Mm-hmm. Um, Man United are done. Because they'll be left with all the debt. They'll be left with nothing. And that, that just... Look, as much as I'm a Liverpool fan, yeah, but that's not good for the game. You know, like big... Historical clubs going out of business. Any club going out of business. Um, even, like like I say, with the Newcastle thing, and it's come out now, you know, like the Saudis wanted to buy it, but they won't let them buy it. Um, the Arsenal thing um, with um, the Spotify guy and a few of the players wanting to buy it, and Kroenke said, no, we're not selling. The reason why these people don't want to sell is because they know they're getting their money coming in. And like I say, the more, the more we hit them in the pocket, the more they'll think we don't need this anymore and they'll go out, they'll sell to somebody who will just uh, want to look after the club. And I think they, this, look, when it, was, when it was ESL, right, and this is one thing, I'm, when it was the ESL thing, right, the government realised that actually the country, the economy, we're, we're going to start losing a bit of money here. They jumped on it, bandwagon straight away. But when it comes to capitalist owners, why haven't the government got involved? Why are they not saying, right, look, um, they, they, they're condemning the fans, saying they shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that. And like Navrat Singh said, they're focusing on the few that, that did the violence, but they're not focusing on the message. Why hasn't the government jumped on the bandwagon as well to say, right, actually, the, why were the fans protesting? Because the government's making money out of this as well. Everyone's corrupt. Honestly, right? I'm like going on an old man rant now, but everyone's corrupt. Everyone's making money out of it. That's why they don't want these issues to be brought forward. And yeah. do you think if there was a little protest outside with a few banners, Sky would have um, put it on the cameras? They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have at all. It wouldn't have even been mentioned on Sky Sports News. Um, I agree. It, it would have been. It would have been uh, Manchester United to Liverpool one or two to work for argument's sake. <laughs> And by and by the way, there's a protest outside, yeah. right? That's that's what it would have been. Yeah, it, it would have just been an afterthought. Yeah, and, and obviously, just before we move on to um, Melinda saying next, yeah, I just got a quick another quick question for Nav. Now, first, it was obviously outside Old Trafford, then the training ground, then postponing the game. What do you think is next? Um, I'm not saying that you're going to be at the protest, I'm, I'm, no. <laughs> but but. But, but honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on the WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, honestly, like, 
what next? Um, because obviously fans ain't going to be um, inside the inside the grounds. We know until the end of the season. So, yeah. um, what other forms of protesting is there, or at the next sort of home game, or if at the rescheduled fixture again, if the fans were to turn up and I don't know double the numbers, because obviously we know the numbers they can make noise. Yeah. Numbers can make a yeah. huge impact. Will the fans go after that again? Now, we know that the Manchester United Supporters Trust have now uh, wrote another letter to Joel Glazer itself saying that, listen, you need to come out and you need to communicate with us. But what next do you think in your eyes? I, th- I, th- I think this is the start of it. I, I, think, I think United fans hope that this is the start of it, not just for us, that it starts yep. a movement, not only at United, but at Liverpool or, or, mm. or, or throughout the country, or at other, at particularly top six clubs, where, where the thought is only just about creating the cash, right, you know, or, or, or and creating the income and, 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 and so forth. I mean, beyond what they did yesterday, what, are, what is there for? Postpone other games? Delay other games? You know, you can only do it so many times uh, before it becomes, uh, before the people find a way around it. Um, but uh, I, I, what I'm hoping for, obviously, this letter that they've sent uh, today, the MUST, Manchester United Sports Trust, to Joel Glazer today as well, will have some open up some sort of dialogue um, with with the club, uh, who have ashamedly only ever spoken to the fans twice since they bought the club. Once when they bought it, and the second time to apologise in Super League. Um, and uh, so, it's you know with the Glazers. What can I say? Your guess is as good as mine. What next? You know, but as far as United fans, I do know is a lot of their thinking is original, right? You know. And, and they will keep me guessing. And I, and I do believe they will do something else. Uh, but, but, you know, time will tell. See, see what it is, really. See, I, I, just wanted, I just wanted to add something. Um, from what I heard yesterday, even after, you know, like the ground, um, the fans turned up at the hotel where the players were. Mm. And um, just reading stuff, uh, like say, on the internet and um, on the news, from what I've heard from sources is that... Um, the players were begging to come out and speak to the fans, you know, because the players are on side with it as well. Players are not happy. Um, and they were refused to let, um, they refused to be able to speak to the fans. They weren't let out. They said, no, you have to stay in here until they go away. They, they asked um, the club for permission. That's the place. No one would let the players out to try and um, speak to the fans as well, just to calm them down. Um, which again, the, the, the players, are, like, uh, I feel the players are on board with it as well. They weren't happy with the ESL thing. They're not happy with club owners. They know what it's like as well. Um, so, yeah, it was just something I wanted to add in there that um, with the outside the hotel, how the players are not being allowed to, to speak. Their, their voices are being um, hmm. um, quietened down as well. Do you know, they're, they're being muted. They can't speak out, but... We need, we need a few of the players now to come out and speak out on behalf of the fans and say, actually, what they did is a good thing. Um, so that, that's it, really. Um, Melinda Singh, what, what's your view on this? Yeah, so um, last week we had some protests um, that happened outside the Emirates. And um, I actually want to commend what United have come commend what United have done uh, in terms of the so-called fans. I think what they've done is they've 
stood up for thousands and hundreds of thousands of fans, millions of fans over the world that don't have the opportunities to kind of get to the stadium, show their voice. Um, you can do so much through Twitter nowadays, but like disrupting a game and postponing it, uh, one of the biggest games in, in, in the world, it, it's, it kind of speaks a lot of measures. And um, I know a lot of people over the world were talking about this, like, um, like fans all over the world, like, were actually shocked because a lot of people throughout the world um, watch it different time zones, uh, were looking forward to this game. And to all of a sudden see that this this game was kind of postponed, it brought more attention to the kind of movement. Um, a lot of people still don't know too much about what's going on with this ESL movement and uh, what it actually means going forward. Um, and the fact that United fans, I think the, the select 200 of them, that, that brought the awareness and attention to it and kind of got more and more people kind of looking into the subject um, was quite quite a good thing. Um, we've got an upcoming protest that's on the cards um, at the Emirates. They think um, they're going to take over uh, on Thursday, the Arsenal versus Villarreal game. And so that will be an interesting one. Jagmon touched upon it. There's not many games left of the season. Um, and that will be a massive impact um, uh, and a statement made by, by the fans. And uh, I'm just worried to see like, the kind of implications that that kind of would have. I think from a Premier League's perspective, I don't think they'd probably come down too hard on United as... UEFA would on on Arsenal doing such thing, or if United did it in in Rome, um, would there be much uh, implications um, from a UEFA's perspective? Because at the end of the day, they're they're key stakeholders in all of this, and uh, for for those guys, they they want any bit of publicity and, and whatnot. But would they not sanction this? Because I remember a game at the Emirates. Um, in the Europa League, it was delayed by, I think, 15 minutes. And that caused a big hoo-ha. So imagine having a game postponed. Uh, what kind of ramifications do you think that has on the clubs? Do you think uh, we can allow the fans to kind of dictate what happens with the way clubs are being run? I'm, I'm a massive believer of, of um, uh, fan power. Um, if we could go through that model... Uh, that, that would be good going forward. But if you look at it, most of the owners um, of the big six or people who have a, a big vested interest are actually American owners. And um, you look at United, American owner, Spurs, American owner, Chelsea, or, although they're run by Abramovich, Bruce Buck, he's also American. Um, and then you look at Arsenal, Kroenke, he's adamant that he's not going to sell. Um, you've got Spotify, you've got uh, the Nigerian billionaire that, that had a quite a heavy, significant uh, interest two years ago where he put in a bid at 1.7 billion uh, to try and take over Arsenal. There's talks of Henri teaming up with um, Spotify owner talking about how he wants the Arsenal DNA back and 
He wants transfers to kind of show. I think one thing Arsenal have proven to be for these owners is, is a cash cow. Limited investment, similar to the Glazers, limited investment, but quite a significant return in, in their money. And uh, um, to kind of sit on that, that pile of money, it, it, it's kind of, if you look at Arsenal's league progress, um, over the last 15 years, it's declined. And why is that, would you say? Because we haven't really invested in the club. We went for a stadium move where we paid for it ourselves. Um, the owners kind of really didn't support us through that. And spending so much money through, through that period um, has, has kind of de- detrimentally impacted us. Um, I think we just really struggled in, in, in this last 15 years because um, we've had we've had many billion dollar owners on, on the board. We had Alicia Usmanov, the, the current Everton owner, um, who who was kind of willing to kind of like become the majority shareholder. He's an Arsenal fan. He wanted to bring us back to our so-called glory days. Um, but just these these cronky owners, they just do not want to sell the club. And I think despite the Spotify owner offering X amount of money, I, I, I just can't see them accepting it on countless occasions. They're sh- showing a resolve to not sell the club. Um, but at the same time, they don't show as much passion in, in kind of taking us forward. Um, and it's not showing through their investments. Thank you, Melinda. Obviously, with the whole ownership of these clubs, just like say Man United and Arsenal here, in a very similar position where the owners are not reinvesting in the club, taking money away, like Manchester United, Manchester United versus Arsenal, it is still a rivalry, but it's not a rivalry where they're both fighting each other for the title. You know, those games were Premier League classics. Um, we're great players. You know, uh, you look forward to that game, uh, be it home or away. But obviously here, um, we know that obviously fans ain't inside the stadium. We know that these protests, you know, that they're going to go on. But obviously the pundits here uh, of Sky, of BT, even Match of the Day, I know they didn't cover the game because there was no coverage uh, of any highlights of the football, but they were still speaking about it. How important do, or, you know, the likes of Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville, who I personally feel understand uh, the fans' point of view. I'm not. I'm not saying Graeme Sunez doesn't, um, but it was interesting just to listen to different views uh, of the pundits as well. Does anyone want to? Yeah. You know, mention on that. Go on, Navrat. Go on. Yeah. On that. I mean, I was, I was. I was yesterday. I was listening to the to the pan- panel. And it's quite sh- surprising and shocking to hear what Sunas was saying. Oh, it's, they're not too bad. Right, you know, they, they put in, um, they took out a loan, but they have to give collateral of their own personal collateral, take out the loan, so they have invest. And it's like, it seemed like somebody was making excuses for the Glazers, right? And, I, and I'm really glad. I've never been a fan of Jamie Carragher as I am today, right? You know, the guy, right, without mentioning Sunas, right, yeah, in today's uh, uh, pre-football pundits that he was doing uh, kind of called it lazy lazy um, lazy com- lazy punditry or whatever the word was he used but uh, yeah. and, and he didn't mention Sunas by name 
right? Yeah, but it's about without doing your research, like Jigmore touched earlier. They took so much money out of the club, right? Yeah, how, how can you do that? And uh, but you know, it is lazy. It's, if you're being able to be a pundit, you have to be, uh, you know, see both sides as well. I understand that, and and that's why I think last few weeks, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher have both stepped up, right? Yeah, in the, in their uh, leading the line, you could say, against the SL and, and creating a lot of it, the, the movement, you could say, to stop this capitalism taking our game by the scruff of the neck. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very touchy subject in the panels, whoever they are, need to really educate themselves. before. In regards to Sunnis, like um, he said something along the lines of they never protested when Fergie was here. Yes, Man United fans did. Do you know, I yeah. I know a lot of Man United fans over the years and the green and yellow scarf has been around for a long time. Yeah. Yep. You know, like sometimes we jokingly call it the Norwich scarf. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But Delia Smith. The, 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 yeah, <laughs> Delia Smith. Um, but the protests have been going on for years and yeah. for someone who's there on Sky virtually every week yep. to be so out of touch is shocking, yeah. but I'm not defending the guy, but maybe it's because he's from a different generation. Mm. Um, you know, he's like, you, he played at a time when uh, club owners were the local, you know, businessman from the town mm. and it was still local clubs. Yeah. So maybe his mentality is slightly different. Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't realized this, uh, that it's a, it, the, the owners, it's, it's a global game and they're in it purely for the money. Yeah. When he played, the owners were in it for the love of the club. But that was a different time. He's got to realise, he's got to move on with the times, just like everybody else. We say about players, we say about managers and tactics, the pundits need to move on with the times as well. And um, I've, to be honest with you, I know he, he, as a player, he was a Liverpool legend. Um, not as a manager, definitely not as a manager. But um, disappointed in what Sunis has been like these last few years. I don't know. Is he doing it just to be controversial? Don't know. I think but, um, sorry, just it, was, cut, it was naive of him. Just to cut in there, I think he reminds me of, I don't know if anyone follows boxing, Johnny Nelson. Mm -hmm. He's just like a sky uh, jump chat, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just... yeah. Um, he's just there to say, the right thing to make everyone happy, the boss is happy. But yeah. you've got to know your audience. At that moment in time, everyone was saying the protesters, what they're protesting for was right. Not what they've done, but what they're protesting for. And for him to come out and make those comments, like I said, naive, naive of him. For, for yeah. someone of his age and experience in football, he should have just stayed quiet. He just, I, I don't know. I think he likes the sound of his own voice. Mm. Perfect. Thank you very much. We've just hit 90 minutes again. We're not going to go into Fergie time um, <laughs> uh, this week. But thank you very much to all the panel for their thoughts, their views, their reactions to the week and what's going to happen um, going forward. We will cover these topics again. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who helped organize this even behind the scenes everyone that listened to our first podcast and everyone that's going to listen to this podcast as well thank you for the likes and shares like we've mentioned before 
yes, we come on, we're discussing football, we're discussing football matters, but please, you know, drop some comments, send us a message about what things you, you would like to hear, even if you'd like to come on, even in the future, you know, all but welcome. So I just want to quickly mention the social media pages as well. So that's on SoundCloud is Discuss Sing. That's Discuss D-I-S-C-U-S-S space and then Sing, S-I-N-G-H. And then the Instagram page is Discussing. So D-I-S-C-U-S-S underscore S-I-N-G-H. So the next podcast that we have will be covering the Premier League Hall of Fame. And also a slight twist to it. We're going to get everyone just to do a bit of homework, just to do a bit of research. We've got a bit of a challenge. Your Premier League dream team. So all time Premier League dream team starting 11. Let's change it up a bit. Let's even name a manager. And even a subs bench of seven players. So the maximum we could have from a team is two or three uh, players from There's one team. only one team. manager. And, and, uh, awesome. You're talking Premier League, right? Awesome. You know? okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. 13 league titles, two European Cups compared to just three league titles. Yeah. One okay, manager personifies <laughs> One manager personifies the Premier League in some other days. Well, big Sam. Here we go. Well, you, you can. You, you obviously have a bit of a gist that it's going to be a debate on the next podcast. They've already started uh, debating. You know, thank God we haven't got these two in the same building, and we're lucky it's just on a Zoom call. But um, again, thank you very much for listening and tuning into the podcast of discussing football. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye, Hagrudi Kaka.